Welcome to the podcast, where you will learn everything you need to be a successful student at any level of academic study. Listen each week as I interview experts, leaders, and students. If you are studying or thinking about it, you will need practical tips, techniques, coaching, and support to help you get finished and be successful. While you're listening, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Links and info are always in the show notes. So join me now as you listen in, learn, take action, and succeed. Right. Good afternoon, Clive Butka. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show today. Uh, this is the Student Success Coach Learning Your Lunchtime webinar. So every Friday we we go live and uh, we invite our community in to join us. And of course, um, most of the universities promote these sessions every week because we cover lots of topics that are important for uh, student success. So we've had um, experts on student mental health. Um, I did a coaching session last week on writing. Uh, we had Dr. Jeff last year. He was a highlight. He's done uh, two PhDs. Uh, so we really try and profile people that just inspire this community to uh, reach as high as they possibly can. We're all going to be in some stage of of academic studies, and, uh, and I think people take full advantage of getting access to people like Clive, as we will have this afternoon, and, uh, you know, just learn as much as they can from people like him uh, so that they can be successful. So, guys, you know the drill. Just uh, pop a, a welcome message in the comments there. Say hi to Clive for us and uh, tell us which university you're from. And then I think very importantly, you know, we are talking about mentorship uh, this afternoon. We have a thriving a mentorship program running in the Student Success Coach community in our Facebook group. And, uh, you know, I'm going to ask Clive, you know, all about his experience uh, about mentorship. Um, but if you guys have specific questions, please do uh, pop them into the chat and we'll pick them up. And what I'm also looking for this afternoon is to enlist a few more mentors. We've got five formal signed up mentors in our group that are available to mentor the others. And Facebook handles that matching between people that, uh, you know, need a mentor and those that already signed up. But I'd love to have another 10, 15 uh, mentors signed up. So Clive, over to you. Before we get into the topic for this afternoon, why don't you just introduce yourself? Uh, tell us about you know what you've been up to. I know you know we worked together many, many years ago at Accenture, but you've just had a fascinating career. So over to you. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Peter. And uh, welcome to, to everyone that's on this, uh, on this webinar. It's great. Uh, I can't see who's on the webinar, but whoever is out there, well, welcome to attend it. So my background really was, I'd be, I've always been an entrepreneur. I think, you know, um, most people wouldn't know this about me, but when I was seven years old, I started working in a clothes shop, in a men's clothes shop. So I was seven and came from a very humble family and didn't really have a financial uh, ability to send me to the right type of the schools that I would have gone in university. So I worked um, right throughout from seven till I, Graduated with a computer science applied maths and maths degree uh, from the University of the Advertisement. I then joined, um, I was actually going to start my own company. I'd already raised capital to start my own tech company. And uh, I was then, uh, I, I use the word seduced, but probably headhunted by Accenture of Anderson, Anderson Consulting at the time. This was a very long time ago, and I decided to put a pin in my entrepreneurial dreams. I thought, let me go for five years to Accenture uh, just to learn more about product development and sales and marketing and operations and finance and all the things that any entrepreneur needs to know to be a successful entrepreneur. And, and, and I actually did that, but I was enjoying it so much and I was learning every single day. And, I, and I'm a learner. 
I just love learning. And I was just so, I was just on this vertical learning path every single day for, for, for literally probably about 20 years of my Accenture career. I did stay there 28 years, probably the last eight years, I, I was more the mentor and teacher than the learner. And after, at 2012, I decided that I actually want to get back into the entrepreneurial space and uh, left Accenture. And uh, while I was at Accenture, I worked all over the globe. So I did a lot of work in building tech companies, did a lot of exciting stuff. And then about six years ago, I was, um, oh, sorry, when I, when I left Accenture, I was headhunted into a venture capital company and on their board. And about six years ago, I started my own venture capital company called Kalon Venture Partners. Uh, we raised a couple of hundred million and we've got about eight investments ranging from education technology to marketing technology to payments to um, automotive uh, technology. So really a, a large array of types of companies, but they're very, very innovation led. So very disruptive technologies. I only invest in companies that we believe as, a, as an investment committee and board that they've got a 10 times better than anything else that's in the marketplace. And then we'll make that investment. That's how we get to, to offer our, our investors a 30 to 38% internal rate of return. So compounded every year. That's how we, we, we expect to get that sort of return. So really had a lot of fun. I'm still having a lot of fun. I enjoy every day of my life. Uh, unfortunately, haven't the one part of Accenture that hasn't left me is I'm still working like a dog, but uh, but I'm actually having fun like a dog. So I'll tell you, when I actually don't work one hour in my life anymore, I just have fun for every one of those hours. So that's yeah, that's a bit of a background uh, to me. Thanks, Peter. No, wonderful, Clive. And I mean, everybody listening in today and watching, and thank you for saying hi on the chat there. I think Clive is just such a wonderful example. And you know, when we worked together at Accenture, you know, inspired me with that love of learning, as you mentioned, Clive there. And then the love of, you know, being an entrepreneur and building stuff and creating things and just getting the most that you possibly can out of every single day. And that's a lot of what I certainly, you know, try and coach and inspire people that you can change your circumstances. You can, you know, climb that ladder, but it's going to take you deciding each and every day to do the, the absolute maximum that you possibly can. Clive, just, I mean, for the benefit of everybody, I mean, venture capital, I mean, I think the guys are probably familiar with, you know, the shows like Shark Tank and, um, you know, these, these, these where the sort of the business owners stand in front of a panel of people and they have to pitch their business and so on. I mean, you know, is that still a thriving thing? And is that how the business works today? And I mean, there's, there's money flowing and there's businesses that can be started. We had um, a colleague of mine, Daniel Robas, a few weeks ago talking about some of the businesses that he started and since exited from and, you know, done very well out of, et cetera. And I think for many students today, you know, they're possibly not necessarily looking at a corporate career. You know, maybe the degree is something just to get them, you know, started in their life, but they, they're going to have a couple of side hustles. They maybe want to get into technology. You know, just, just tell us, I mean, is the future bright for, for, for entrepreneurs that want to get out there, make a contribution to society and set themselves up, you know, for a good future? I think, Peter, most definitely, you know, I'm going to talk about tech entrepreneurs for a second. So if you don't, if, you, if the audience don't mind, because I'm a tech guy. I've built many, many tech businesses. I've been involved in exiting many tech businesses, but I haven't been involved in building widget businesses, manufacturing businesses. I understand the economics. I understand the union economics, but that's not my forte, and that's not Kalon's forte. Our forte is tech. So to answer your question, in tech, it's very, very capital light and capital efficient to start a business. You literally can start from your garage, your Wi-Fi connection, bit of broadband, you know, and, uh, and an iPad, and you can write code, and you can actually get your business off in the ground. So... What used to take, you know, literally cost you $10 million. You, you have to buy the servers and buy all the software and then go and buy this and that and everything to get a business off the ground. You can do that with, you know, li literally with a couple of thousand bucks, you can, you can start a business. Using the cloud, 
using whatever you might want to use. Use your iPad. You've got broadband that is pretty cheap today. So I, I would promote everyone to look. There's, there's not wrong and right being corporate or being entrepreneur. It's just different. But it's very, very different. Corporate life is it's, it's a lot more security. You've got the safety net that'll catch you. And it is more secure, but it's getting harder and harder as well in the corporate life because there's a lot more people going to entrepreneur and you have to deliver in the corporate life. So entrepreneur life is different because you don't have that safety net. And I would advise anyone that's listening to me today is first and foremost, people say to me, should I get a degree or shouldn't I get a degree and go straight into entrepreneur to be an entrepreneur? And I say, you need that safety net, get a degree, just get a degree, get something, get something under your belt because at least you've then got the safety net. If you want to then immediately go into entrepreneurship, nothing wrong with that because rather do it when you're young and you may be living at home and your expenses are minimal and you're not putting, you know, you're not, you're not risk, risking putting food on the table. Don't do that. You know, if the consequences are that you can't feed your children and you can't put food on the table and those are the consequences of starting your own business, your timing is not right. Rather build up a nest egg and then when you've got the nest egg, use that nest egg to start a business and that's fine. But you've got the safety net of going back into into the corporate environment. I think we, we must all understand corporate environments are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. We're not getting the, you know, the first round groups and the discoveries coming out every single day, but we are getting more and more and more innovative, innovation-led entrepreneurs that are starting their own businesses. If you look at Joburg, maybe not quite like Cape Town, but Cape Town, wherever you go, every coffee shop you go to, you see entrepreneurs huddled around a, a laptop and they're talking about their businesses. I'm sorry to see that in Joburg as well. I've met so many people seeing it by ex-coffee shop touches where they're actually talking about launching their businesses and their distribution channels and their business model and all, all the activities that uh, entrepreneurs um, get used to. So, it's you know, it, as I said, there's no right and wrong of it, but I think there's going to be more and more people starting with entrepreneurial careers and really becoming the, the future of this country because entrepreneurs are going to be the people that are going to be hiring people into their companies, not the corporates. The corporates are going to get smaller. There's more and more innovation. There's better technology. There's better tools. It cuts out the need for people. Call centers are not necessarily needed anymore because you've got these incredible technologies that can replace most of your call center. But that's where it creates opportunities for, for entrepreneurs. And the corporates, I think, also what's happening with corporates is 10 years ago, they would actually, it was sort of the do-it-yourself do mentality where they would build it themselves rather than buy it or borrow it. And I think what you're finding now is corporates are realizing they're not innovative. They're not built, their DNA is not built for, for, to, to drive out new product launches or drive out new products or drive out innovation. And that creates opportunities for entrepreneurs to work with corporates or to actually be bought by the corporate or the investment by the corporate. So it's a great opportunity right now is to get into entrepreneurship. There's never been more capital flowing in South Africa. We don't have enough capital, but there's capital flowing. But if you look at the U.S., you look at Southeast Asia, you look at uh, Europe, there is so much money out there. It's causing the valuations to go completely crazy. But venture capital, which I'm in, is um, if you come with a great idea and you've got, we don't invest in ideas or products, we invest in businesses. So it's once you've got a few clients, you've got product, what you call product market fit, the market is taking your product out of your company. You've got a few logos, five or six logos, you're generating you know, a couple of hundred thousand, half a million a month. In revenue, that's the stage, the pre-Series A, Series A, that I start looking at investing in your company. Right, Clive, thank you. So, I mean, just a very inspiring message there for everybody on the call today. 
Um, there's so many options available to you today. I mean, you know, as we've heard now, get your degree, get that safety net. That's a primary option for you. And maybe you have a kind of specific vocational career in mind. But that entrepreneurial world is is kind of blowing up. And I mean, you know, the tech space, something that I've spoken and taught and been very kind of involved in in my career as Clive has said, you know, very low barriers to entry and the ability to scale is sort of unprecedented. And hopefully, you know, Clive is sitting on a couple of unicorns. So, you know, we'll have the next sort of Facebook coming out of South Africa or the next uh, SpaceX coming out of South Africa. And I've always said, you know, the next Mark Zuckerberg, you know, maybe he's on our doorstep. Uh, you know, Elon Musk, obviously South African born, but I think we often underestimate just the talent and the entrepreneurial mindset that we generate in this country. Um, so, Clive, I mean, I'm sure you've seen a number of success stories coming through. And is there any correlation, Clive, between, you know, the more successful entrepreneurs that you've seen and the sort of academic journey that they've been on or anything that they've added to their academic journey that people on the call today might be thinking about and saying, well, what else can I do to position myself if and when the time does come that I need to go out on a sort of an entrepreneurial limb, so to speak? What, what are some of the sort of reading or preparation or books or courses or, or, or topics or people that you would maybe recommend that they follow, which has in your you know, experience actually mattered and made a difference. You know, I'm not talking about the fluff and the hype and all the rest of it, but the real valuable insights and people that they can look to. I think, yeah, it's a great question, uh, Peter. I think what I would always propose to people, I, I call it a T-top entrepreneur. So the T, which is the horizontal thing at the top there, it means you need to start with an organization where you're going to learn a little bit about product development, about marketing, sales, finance, ops, uh, you know, graph, you are tech, um, product development, everything. So you, you learn that horizontal line. That's that's The vertical line is what your degree is. You might be an actuary, you might be an accountant, you might be a lawyer, you might be an engineer, whatever you might be. But you, just just having that, that vertical line is not enough. That's that's okay for a corporate because corporates will hire actuaries to do actuarial work. Corporates will hire engineers to do engineering work. And that's why I think the likes of where Peter and I were at the Accentures or the McKinsey's or the Bain's or the... Deloitte says those sort of companies, I think consulting companies give you a very good opportunity to get those horizontal skills that you don't want to become a specialist too early. You want to become a generalist. So I would advise anyone that's going, wants to be an entrepreneur one day, find an organization or find a person within an organization that's going to enable you to learn those horizontal skills. Because if you're going to a startup, you have to know a little bit about everything. You, mm. need, you need, you know... Wide, a uh, uh, mile wide but inch deep type of skills, opposed to mile deep, because mm. most people in corporates and you've seen them, they really are mile deep come in and they, and they become specialists. And the problem with specialists, you'll get to a level very quickly, you'll earn a million rand a, a year, but you'll never you'll never climb above that. That's when mm. you you reach your you, you reach your ceiling if that's all you can do. What being in the the the, the horizontal also teaches you is about leadership, about management, about project management, all those things that, that I think you know. We, we came up from Accenture days with, came up and, and, you know, we got that in spades about how many people we actually, oh, sorry, how many people we led, how much we learned from leadership. Leadership is a critical skill. You know, I always say entrepreneurs, you're an entrepreneur when you start your business. It's very, you know, it's small, it's agile, but as you mature into a 20, 30, 50, 100 people company, you need to change from being the entrepreneur to being the leader. So you get work done through others. You set the vision and others do the work, opposed to you trying to do the work yourself. So I think, just to summarize, any organization where you can not just be seen as a specialist and, and get hired as a specialist, but go in there where you can learn to get generalist skills. So get those generalist skills, and I believe that will position you very, very well for entrepreneurship. In addition to that, go back to Peter's question. 
the books out there, you can turn your, your car into the Automobile University, the audio tapes, the, the YouTube clips. You need to listen to that stuff. You can really, you don't have to go to Harvard today to learn about entrepreneurship. You don't have to go to Silicon Valley and Sand Hill Road to learn about venture capital. There's so much good stuff in Udemy on all these. There's so many platforms and typically for free where you can actually teach yourself. And maybe it's uh, buying a couple of Kindle books for $10 in entrepreneurship. Yes, those books are great, but you also need to get out there and do entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is action. You know, you can, can't learn how to ride a bike by sitting in a classroom. You've got to get on the bike. You've got to fall off a few times, scratch your knee, scrape your knee, hurt yourself, cry a few times, and then you'll, you'll learn how to ride that bike. And entrepreneurship is no different. It's action. So go and get some good years experience under your belt. You don't need 28 like I did. Believe me, you don't need that. Don't go there. Mm. I would not advise anyone to do that. Because you are the future. You are the future employees of this country and you're the future of going to turn this country around and take our 40% unemployment and bring it down to a, you know, a, a better level of, un, of employment. So I know there was quite a few questions Peter asked there, but I hope I've, I've answered um, some of those questions. No, Clive, and I mean, your last comment there is just something that's so close to my heart and, and part of the motivation of why I've tried to get the student success coach community going, because I just want to create a safe space where students can feel encouraged and, and, and lift their gaze and look to that vision, as you say, of getting our economy booming again, you know, through the SME environment, through becoming employers of people, you know, not always relying on the corporate environment. We really, it's just shuffling jobs around the place. There's no net growth necessarily. It's only through, as, um, you know, that scenario planner, what is his name? Always used to say the high road and the low road, Clem Sunter. You know, he always used to say yeah. the high road for South Africa, you know, is that 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 that, that job creation role that the, the, the small businesses play. So, so, so um, Clive, I want to go back to what you were talking about leadership in a minute there, but before we, we step off the sort of venture capitalist world there, uh, interesting question here from Kenny. Just, I don't know if you were involved in Ozo, uh, which is obviously the payments tech company. They've become obviously quite exponential. I mean, chasing people like PayFast and others, and obviously the banks, uh, you know, eating our lunch and so on. But were you involved there and what advice, if any, did you give them or similar companies? And maybe from that question or that answer, let's then go into the leadership and the mentorship discussion. So any thoughts on Ozo specifically? Look, yeah, I think we invested in them. So we are involved. We invested in them when they were pretty small, probably about a 15 million rand company, maybe 15 people. They're now 80 people and they're doing a significant number larger than when we invested. So they really are. The, just something that is common knowledge is the, the gross merchant value that went through their platform. For the first two years, nine months, and 16 days, they got to 1 billion rands. It took basically um, two years, nine months, and 16 days. So the next billion took 26 days. And that happened during Black Friday in November last year. They hit 1 billion in their platform. They hit a billion every, every month after that platform. The advice I can give you is one is it's a, it was a, a, an experienced entrepreneur who's at the helm. He had built three or four businesses before, so I think he'd learned the lessons, he had got the stripes. He, but at the same time, he's also surrounded himself with people like ourselves from Kalon and other investors. He surrounded himself with great mentors. And, and I, I'm not talking about myself, everyone else but me, but they're great mentors and they really help him see behind corners because he's only had four companies. He's maybe late 30s or mid-30s, but he, he doesn't know it all. You know, Learning yeah. is, a, is a continuum. It's not a destination. And he realized that. And he takes advice, he asks advice, and he listens to people. So very part of mentorship is that, and very, very, very important for Oza is the entire leadership team are very open to being coached. They didn't mm. ask the question to just confirm their answer. They asked the question because they mm. wanted to understand 
is it something I'm not seeing? Because often it's not what you know. It's actually what you don't know is the biggest yep. risk of, of what costs you a lot of money. I look through, I've made quite a few investments myself in my personal capacity, done very, very well on them. But the ones I've lost money on, it's not what I did see. It's actually what I didn't see. It actually mm. wasn't what was on the piece of paper, what was in the product. It's actually what I didn't see and I didn't know. So they know what they know and they know what they don't know. And I think that's why they are so successful. They really are a big company now. They continue with this incredible growth. And I must say, we need more Ozos because they've got 80 people. We're raising a huge amount of capital now. There'll probably be 100, 200 people in a couple of years' time. And that's what can change the, change the economy. They aren't, look, not every company is going to be an Ozo, but there are lots of Ozos out there. You look at companies like Yoko, which was started in Cape Town. Now they've got 130,000 merchants, which is this positive ask mm. that's um, uh, for, for, for SMB small businesses. There's lots of those examples I could give you, which are really great companies that are built in the payment space, in the education space, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, Ozo is, is climbing, great management team. It's never about an individual. You need a team. You know, it, mm. at a minimum, and I'll just make this comment for any entrepreneur out there, you need, if you want to be a tech entrepreneur, where there is, you know, good potential outcomes and good exit opportunities, you need to have two types of people. You need to have a hustler, so someone that can sell. You've got to have a salesperson and you've got to have the, the builder, someone that can build the stuff. So I, I love the combination of a great engineer and a great salesperson because you can't have an engineer that, or just a couple of engineers in all honesty, because what they'll end up doing is keep on building and building and building mm. because they like building. And the product yep. will never be good enough for them because they want every single feature out there. Even though the mm. market has never told them that they wanted it, they won't even listen to the market. They'll listen to their own intuition. So, and then you need the salesperson who will go to the market and you'll actually push the engineers to, to build what the market is talking about, what problems need to be solved in the marketplace. So it's a great combination having a salesperson and, a, and an engineering person to start a, start a company. I, I don't mm. want two salespeople either or three salespeople. Mm. I, want, I want that combination because having that combination, we just invested in a business called I experience education tech company. They, 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 they really are, I think, changing the 20, uh, fourth industrial revolution learning environment with the way they learn and the way they teach and the type of organizations they take and the type of training, which is all four-hour training. If you're in college, they help you prepare better for university life. If you're in university or college, they help you better prepare for, uh, for business life, which I think there's a big gap in both those, and that's why we've invested in them. Mm. But the two entrepreneurs are from, both did their, their engineering degrees uh, at Yale University in the US, but one's an engineer, uh, a great sales engineer, the other one is a great uh, product development engineer, and it's an unbelievable combination together. Mm. They are mm. world-class, and we invest mm. in world-class teams. You know, one of the things I always say about Accenture, which I miss the most about being at Accenture, and this is not Accenture, this is Bain, Deloitte, KPMG, mm. PwC, all of them. The quality of the people that you surround yourself with is unbelievable. You, 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 you're dealing with A-plus players all the time. And they say you are, you know, you are the, the, the outcome of the people that you spend most of your time with. And I think Peter and I were probably both blessed with spending time with quality people. We know what great looks like. Yep. When I left Accenture, I'll tell you something. I had to get used to not knowing what great looks like. And I want great. I'm not prepared to accept second best. And so yep. I'm a bit of a tough guy now, but... Second best is not good enough. Mediocrity <laughs> is not good enough. You've got to be world class if you Absolutely. want to succeed in this, in this entrepreneurial space.
No, wonderful, Clive. And I mean, just to let's then sort of uh, sort of segue into the discussion about mentorship and leadership. And I mean, as you mentioned, there's that role of playing, you know, the sort of you know countering on the blind spots, etc. But maybe just sketch out for us mentorship, you know, as you see it. And I know we had chatted a couple of times over the years and the importance of getting mentorship going, you know, in the township economy and getting this the small medium enterprises going, and especially in the student campuses, etc. And we, you know, piloting our own little sort of mentorship program in the student success coach community. But, you know, just your take on mentorship and the importance of it. And I mean, as you say, you know, there's a vast majority of people that are, you know, possibly not at that top level that 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 that, that you need to be to achieve that level of success. But mentorship can play a big role to help people get there and understand what they need to achieve. So just just give us your thoughts and wisdom on on, on mentorship in general. So I think, you know, there was a survey done, you know, um, about a year ago, or maybe a little, a little bit uh, before that, into probably a thousand South African entrepreneurs. I think it was predominantly South African entrepreneurs. And they said, what are you missing the most? What do you miss the most that would help you build your business? Is it financial capital? Is it you know relationship capital, which is networks? Or is it mentorship capital or human capital? And the two answers that came back was one was mentorship and two was human capital. It wasn't about financial capital because they felt there was enough venture capital type of capital that are deploying to companies, but it was more about mentorship. They just felt there weren't enough mentors that could help them on their leadership journey. And it's, you know, if I look back to my career, I had, and I started, let me give you two examples of, of my career. When I was a little kid of seven or eight, you know, for me, I would always be, I just was blessed with the, with the ability to sell, but I went into this clothes shop and I just saw this one guy who was, you know, probably four or five times my age and, he was just doing unbelievable stuff. He was, the guys were coming in for a pair of, of, of shoelaces and were selling them a suit, three pairs of shoes and everything else. <laughs> and I couldn't sell a hanky. You know, if there was a, a one-buck hanky, I couldn't sell it. And I just asked him, and I don't know where I got this wisdom from, wisdom from, but I asked him, can I not just learn from you and see what you're doing that I'm doing differently or I'm doing wrong? And he just said to me, he said, Clive, I'm happy to do that, but just don't, don't open your mouth. You keep your mouth shut, but just follow me for, for, for a few weeks and, and then let's see what, what happens. And I followed this guy in the shop and seeing exactly how he turned a shoelace guy into three suits and three shirts. And it was quite amazing. Literally six months down the line, I became the number one salesperson in the, in the organization. And that, to me, is what mentorship is. Mentorship is not necessarily telling you what to do, but it's people that have got the experience, that have got the wisdom, that have got the gray hair, and you can learn and watch them and learn what they do. And then when I was at Accenture, I had, it was very important there. And again, I think it was by design, when everyone else, I was in my first year of Accenture, everyone else was writing code. I was already selling a multi-million rand deals. And that was because I had the sales experience from uh, working 15 years in, yeah, probably 14 years in this clothes shop before I graduated and, and joined Accenture. But I had three mentors and I, I specifically found these mentors and, you know, I didn't, I didn't wait for them to ask me to be, become a mentor. I went and asked them, would they mentor me? And the one mentor was very much a, a sales mentor. The one mentor was very much a, a leadership mentor, and the one mentor was very much a people mentor. So, you know, there's a lot of, I don't believe there's many people out there who can give you all the type of skills that you're looking for. So don't feel you need one mentor. It's about mentorship. You know, mm. leadership is one mentor. Uh, entrepreneurship is another mentor. You know, there's different mentors for different things because it's like playing football. I'm a big football fan. You can't be the goalie, the, you know, the center backs, the left wing, uh, the, the, the midfielders, the forwards, and the referee, and the coach. You, you're in one position. And so that's, you've got to get those best mentors that you can find, that you can, you know, stand on the shoulder of giants that have become before you because they're out there. 
you know, the, the mentors are really out there. And I love what Peter's doing. I think it's absolutely critical for the future of this country is that, um, that there are enough mentors. But think about what you need is different mentors for different things. And understand a mentor is not, the, is not a coach. It's not there to coach you or to tell you how well you're doing or how well you're not doing. A mentor there is to listen to you, understand what some of your challenges are, and just share the experience with you. At the end of the day, it's your, it's your decision what you want to do about it. But just to get the experience of, of other people that are ahead of you on the journey, they can tell you. They, they can see a bit. They, they maybe, you, know, you might have the blind spots they don't have. You don't see that pothole coming in front of you. You don't see that left, the road suddenly turning left or turning right. But they can see it. And not because they're brighter than you. They've just got more experience than you. So these three mentors that I had at Accenture taught me about everything to become, and I, I became the youngest partner in Accenture. And I did that because, and I'll be honest with you, it was because of these mentors. And, and I really, I didn't always like what they told me. I'll be perfectly honest with you. No one wants to be told the truth. But you have to be able to t accept the truth. You know, a mentor is not there to be your, your friend. A mentor is there to tell you and be candid with you and tell you what they need to tell you. And you need to be able to listen and hear it Make your own decision, but at least listen. And don't get defensive and not listen to it. Because if you can do that, I'll tell you something, the world's your oyster. Because there are mentors out there. There's people, you know, in their 50s that maybe have retired or great engineers or great people from corporate or great entrepreneurs. It doesn't matter. But they, they want to mentor people. Mm. You know, I used to, when I had a bit more time, people would just send me an email or phone me and say, I'm looking for a mentor. I said, with pleasure. But unfortunately, mm. my time, you know, I've also, I'm so resource constrained now. I'm, I'm mentoring so many people that I actually don't have the time to take on any more people, which is, which is unfortunate. But there's lots of clients out there that, that, that I'm sure are prepared to do that. And most people I've spoken to of sort of my generation, they love to mentor people. They, and, and they don't want anything in return. Mm. You know, if you're paying someone, they're not a mentor. Mm. That's not a mentor. That's a coach or that's an advisor or that's someone else. If they want money, they're probably not a mentor. They're probably not someone you should be surrounding yourself with because they want to actually help you. They want to be there for you. They're not there for themselves to get equity in your company or you have to pay them money, et cetera, et cetera. So that's my experience. I think it changed my life. I mentor all my companies now. I spend time with every one of them every week mentoring mm -hmm. them, not telling mm -hmm. them what to do, not telling them how to do their business. I'm not an operator. They're the operators. But I'm just sharing my experience of what are some of the things I would think about and the questions I would ask or answer if, if I was in their shoes. So a great mentor knows how to ask the right questions. Not necessarily have all the right answers because maybe it's too operationally involved, but they can at least ask you the right questions rather than having all the right answers. Wonderful. Clive, thank you so much. I just, I love that insight about a mentor is not someone that you can actually pay because that's something different. So that that's a really great insight. And it was also so insightful as you're talking about there about different mentorship for different roles or aspects or areas of your life that you need support so look what we're doing is we're starting very small just in our little student community and as i say we've got five mentors signed up and facebook actually has a little feature where you can sign up to become a mentor and then people in the rest of the group can you know request if they you know can be mentored by that person so maybe just your thoughts around the role of the mentor in a student community and really as i say we start small we just say to the guys look you know maybe just set a, a weekly catch-up um, you know, and really just ask those questions. You know, it might even be across different faculties. Someone's in science, someone's in medical, you know, so they don't have the, the detail insight around the content, but they know what good looks like. They know what progress looks like in a sort of an academic student uh, context, etc. What else would be your advice for, for student level mentorship? So people may be looking for mentors, 
uh, watching today and maybe people that have, you know, volunteered some of their time and that are mentoring a couple of students, maybe catching up with them on a, on a week to sort of basis. What are those kind of insightful questions that you would suggest they ask? And what other advice would you have people looking for mentors in a, in a student campus kind of context? Look, yeah, I think the best time to start being mentored is the, 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 the younger you are, the better, because you can only learn from a mentor. And if you're not learning from the mentor, they're not, they're not a mentor. So the, the, the younger, the better. And I think, you know, I, I, when I just left Accenture, I did a lot of mentoring and, and talks at schools, at university, at Gibbs and places like that about this exact topic, about how you look at your future career. And I think it should start when you're at school. If you're at college, it's absolutely great because at least speak to mentors to understand what are the options out there. What, what can I do? What does it mean to be in the corporate life? What does it mean to be an entrepreneur? When should I take these risks? What's the sort of, you know, you need, every one of you need optionality. You don't want to say, mm -hmm. okay, I'm an engineer, or I'm a, actually, I've got to go and work at Discovery because they're hiring actuaries. You don't want that. You might decide that, that's fine, but you don't want, you want that decision to be within your control. So at least you understand what are the options that you can have as a student or as a school student, as a university student. My advice, even at school, you know, as I said, get a degree if you can. But you think about a lot of the mentorship and advice and counseling and, and knowledge that one gets. That it's, it's from sitting around and maybe Peter's background and my background, sitting around the family table on a Friday night and everyone's talking about business and talking about leadership and, and you learn that stuff. A lot mm. of people in this, this country don't have that opportunity. So it even more so need to reach out to different to people in diverse environments because diversity is key here as well that you don't take people that are exactly like you, like little, little Russian dolls. They're just smaller mm. versions of you. That, that's not going to help. You know, that's just going to be the same advice. You know, you can get 20 years experience or you can get one year 20 times. You want to mm. get 20 years experience. So you need to find diverse people. But the younger you can find those people and you can ask people that are ahead of you on that journey, the better. And I really do think at college is a great time when you are studying your degree or even at school to understand what are my alternatives before I go to university. What will mean by doing law versus doing this or that? Because maybe your parents haven't got the knowledge that they haven't got the degrees. They don't have the experience to, to, to give you that counsel and that advice. So that advice needs to start when you're young. That when you make a choice to go to university, you know this is not just a, a security net. You know that in, in, in your long-term future. We should all be thinking at one foot in day and at one foot in tomorrow. So yes, we, at one foot in, we're doing whatever we're doing. But think about what's going to happen five, ten years down the line. You might think ten years is too long. But when, before you go to university, I think it's critical. So... And, and, you know, it's just get advice from a mentor. They're not telling you what to do. They're just giving you the options and ultimately say, this is the pros and cons of, of doing the different things. And ultimately, as I said before, you'll make that decision. But I really do believe there's so many people in this country that need that, that, that advice and guidance and counseling that will make a huge difference to the outcome of their lives. And, and potentially, what you want is success. And, and success could be money. It just could be you're happy in your job. It could be you had a great family life. Whatever success means to you. There's no right and wrong of success. But whatever success means to you, get that mentor that can help you define success and help you at least to understand the options of success, whatever, yeah. they, whatever they might be. Clive, and I mean, I mean, on that point exactly, you know, for me, for many people today and in our community, success often just is, you know, getting through tomorrow and, and completing the studies that you've got to do for your assignment or completing your exam next week or, you know, maybe getting through the semester and hopefully completing the year. And obviously last year was a, was a bit of a, a, an impact on a lot of people and having to study, you know, from home and get through their degrees, et cetera. So that success, you know, the definition of that is also so, so critical and something that, you know, when I, 
I offered to everybody that I'll, I'll happily do a 30-minute you know, chat with everyone to, to, to help them and give them that guidance and insight and, and push them into certain mentorship arrangements, et cetera, if they need to. But what I'm hearing most often is it's at that kind of day-to-day -day level of getting through their tasks, not procrastinating, you know, being successful in, in a week you know, versus a month versus a year versus a career, et cetera. So it's often at that, that micro level that people just need the encouragement and the support and the right questions at the right time and the awareness of the blind spots, et cetera, um, you know, that, that, that is the sort of definition of success that, uh, you know, I see, I see a lot of students in the community that are sort of struggling with at the moment. Um, Clive, we had a question here from Dylan. Um, just, uh, and while you sort of just mulling over that question about what book inspired you the most that helped you to get where you are today, let me just mention, obviously, to everybody, and I maybe haven't sort of mentioned it, but um, as part of this YouTube channel, we run a Student Success Coach uh, members-only Facebook group where you guys can hop in there, and uh, I moderate it, and we have a mentorship program running uh, with a number of mentors that are already signed up and willing to accept people to mentor. And maybe they can't do sort of more than three or four, et cetera, per, per week and so on. But uh, at least that is up and running. And within that Facebook community, you get access, obviously, to everything else that we're doing in the community and these webinars and courses and, uh, you know, resources. And, and all the people that have been on these webinars are available through that group as well. So I'll put the link in the chat there now and you guys can can jump into the Facebook group there to take advantage of it. But Clive, just maybe your thoughts are that one book, is there one that, that stands out for you? I remember, yeah. I remember, Clive, just before you, and I'll give you a bit more time to answer that, but I remember we had a coffee at Tasha's and um, your usual spot there, and you had mentioned a book to me. Um, we were meeting with, with somebody else, I can't remember, in one of your thousands of meetings there, and you had mentioned a book to me, and I got up and I walked straight to exclusive books. I said, have you got this book? I went home and I read it. And um, it was uh, one of those, I mean, the Exponential University um, uh, founders, if I can remember correctly, Salim Esser, I think, or one of those guys, um, can't remember offhand, but uh, uh, I benefited a lot from that book as well. So is there anyone that, that, that stood out for you more than the others? You know, let me, let me um, I'm a sales guy, so I've got to answer a question with a question. But I mean, so the first thing is I'm a voracious reader. I've been a voracious reader since I was, I was a very you know, maybe, let me not say very young kid because I wasn't reading the right books. But I mean, as soon as I hit university, I, I became a voracious reader. I still today, I consume a book a week. And I'm a busy guy, but I consume a book a week. So before I go to bed every night, I want to just clear the, the, the brain and I either watch a Netflix video, which is not good use of my time, but I quite enjoy it. There's some great choices out there. Or I read a 20, 30, 40, 50 pages of a book. But basically, in a week, I'll get through every in every single week, I'll get through a book, and I, most of them will come from recommendations from other people. Also, I'll Google it, but I've got a collection now, of probably a hundred books on my. Well, I've got probably two, three thousand books on my on my iPad, but I've probably got a hundred I haven't read. So, which ones really? If I think back to my earlier career, I think Seven Habits of Highly Successful People it was very, very impactful in my life, and I, I'm not going to give you one answer. I think, um, you know, that, yeah, that's a Stephen Covey book. I would definitely recommend. Um, how to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, very, very influ influential book. The Art of War by whoever it was by is very, very influential, uh, influential book. Um, I think that uh, Good to Great from Jim Collins and the, and the later book, um, I, I think Good to Build or something like that. But Jim Collins, probably one of my top business authors, probably one of the top businessmen in, in, the, in the world. So that's more in the leadership style. I've also read J um, Jim Maxwell's books on leadership, I've probably read all 20, 30 he's written and they're absolutely superb to teach you about leadership. 101 Habits for, for Great Leaders. So I've consumed so much of, the, of, of, of those books and I've learned so much from those books and I've actually practiced 
so much of what I've learned in those books. I, I wish I could practice more, you know, because sometimes I do things and I say, you know, I shouldn't have done that. That wasn't what I learned. And that's not, that's not being great. That's being average. And sometimes you don't practice what you preach, but, but there's so many books out there. And, and you know, today, even if you, you got to be fit today, you got to get in the gym, take an audio book. Don't listen to, you don't have to listen to music. You can listen to an audio book, five, six, seven hours a, a week of training. You've, you, you've consumed an audio book. So there's so many mm. different ways of actually consuming those books now. It's not like in my day when I actually had to go to uh, exclusive books and buy them physically, mm. you know, and you had to physically go through this hard paper. And, and the most important thing to me is, you know, I, from 10, 15, 20 years ago, I've been, since, you know, or the, the Kindle came out or, or, or iPad came out, or whatever, I, I mark everything I read. So if I read something important, I'll, I'll mark it. And I read, and I keep on reading, I keep on marking these things, and I cut them out and I put them in a, in a separate thing. And a lot of the things I share with people is I, I keep on refreshing myself when I read a book. I don't read a book once, you know. I'd rather read, rather than 100 books, I'd rather read 10 books 10 times or 20 books five times, personally. Because there's mm. so much gold, so many golden nuggets in some of those great books. But I don't get all of it out of the first read. You know, maybe you guys do, then it's great if you've got a, you know, if you've got that sort of memory. I need to read it a few times. So the great books, I keep on reading over and over and over again. And it's quite amazing mm. that even 20 years later, like, good to great and and uh you know uh, the seven habits of highly successful people the more you read it the more gems and pearls of wisdom you pick out of those books so it's yep. not about which book i think there's many books i don't think any one book is going to but then there's then there's entrepreneurship and there's phenomenal phenomenal books around entrepreneurship how to build entrepreneurial business how to be an innovation-led organization how to innovate you know there's just no shortage so mm. i don't want to, mm. I, I, I could i could spend the next half an hour talking about all the entrepreneurial <laughs> books i've read you need, you need to you, reader. yeah you need to start a blog yeah fantastic you know, hey no just last point you know reed reed hoffman wrote uh, wrote a book um so reed hoffman was the he's the ceo of linked uh, of of um yeah linkedin at the moment he was one of the i think he was one of the the ebay and the the founders of um oh, their top payments company whatever it's paypal whatever yeah mm. whatever it is but he wrote a book and he talks about, um, I can't remember the title of the book, but it's a book by Reed Hoffman. And he talks about being in permanent beta yourself as your own life. He says, talks about building your own brand and being in permanent beta, being work, seeing yourself as work in process. Never see yourself as you, you've, you've arrived because you never arrive. As, as experienced as you are, experienced I am, experienced Peter is, we know we're there. We know we're on that journey there. I know where I want to go in my life and how much more learning I still have to do. So he talks about being in this permanent beta and, this, and being being work in process. And I love that analogy of being work in process. That you, mm. And you're per permanently building your brand. You're permanently in work, work in process. You're permanently in permanent beta. And it's a, ah, just a pity I can't remember. It's, a, it's, a, it's an age problem. I'm having a senior moment. It'll, but, it'll, um, it'll come back to you. It'll come back to me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, on, the, on the screen there, the Peter Diamandis yeah. book, It's How to Go Big, Create Wealth. Phenomenal, phenomenal book. Phenomenal mm. book. Yeah. I mean, there's just yeah. so much good stuff out there, guys. It's just start reading opposed to worry about what you're reading. Just read yes, it. There's exactly. so much to read. Exactly. So, so Bold was the one that I remembered. Now you gave me advice and I went and go and bought it and it was absolutely brilliant. And I heard a guy actually this week talking about uh, the power of speed listening. 
So you can listen to these audio books at, you know, two speed, for example. So, you know, you can get through. I don't know what your views are on that, Clive, but uh, sounds like, you know, you read quite quickly and quite fast as well. So I think very important for people to become a voracious reader and then they can consume more content and get, you know, through a lot more of this material. And as you say, I mean, you can listen in the gym and, you know, t t turn the, the speed up. I mean, you don't have to listen at one pace, do it 1.5, 2. I mean, you see Clive sort of talks fast and he's, you know, he's a hustler, he gets stuff done. And I mean, I think it's about having that speed of being able to to get through books and do deals and and, and, and get things done. Clive, then maybe just let's, um, I mean, okay, tough question up on the screen here. And um, something that comes up in a lot of my coaching conversations, a lot of the things that I try and solve and help people with in their um, student journeys, but you know whether it's an idea for a new business or whether it's an idea that you've got to write about in a research context, for example. But and and I'm bold actually in the book. It talks about that how to go from you know I have an idea to 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 being a billion dollar company. And I mean I remember um, you know Michael Jordan at uh, you know FMB always used to say we reward employees for implemented ideas. An idea on paper, I mean that that as you were saying earlier, I mean that's that's great, but but it's got to have some value at the end of the day. But how do people listening today take action once they get off this call to get better at converting ideas into outcomes? I think, you know, first to you, just to, to re-echo what, uh, you know, what you just mentioned there, Peter. I mean, ideas are worth a dime a dozen. We've all got them. We sit in the shower, come back with 150 ideas. We wake up at four o'clock in the morning with 57 different ideas. They, they are relevant. They are absolutely relevant. What's relevant is execution. You've all heard that execution eats strategy for breakfast or execution eats ideas for breakfast as well. So it's, it's about picking the one thing. You know, it's not about don't worry if you're wrong. It's okay. Mm. Failure is fine. It's okay to fail. That's, as long as you've got the mentality that it's okay to fail, take your ideas, pick one idea. Now, there's a, there's a great book that's called Eat, Eat Your Frog or Eat the Frog. Also by a great uh, a leadership uh, a writer. But what they basically, he says in there about eating the frog, the frog, the problem that we most of us have is with that we all have to-do lists. So, so we, you need to have to-do lists with all these ideas and things you need to do. But typically what most of us do is you do the easy stuff and you leave all the hard stuff for the end of the day and the hard stuff never gets done. So it just keeps them being mm. put at the back of your to-do list over and over and over again. Now, one of the most important things about if you get a mentor, get a mentor to be able to manage your time. Because one thing we're not, all of us are, none of us are blessed with more than 24 hours a day. We've all got it. The only question is what you do with your 24 hours a day. That's your question. So eating the frog is to take your two or three worst tasks. They're the ones that are going to taste like a frog. You're going to hate the taste of these things. And the first thing you do every day is you eat your frog. If it's one frog, eat that frog and do the hardest task there is. And do it from A to Z and finish it. Before you start responding to emails or whatever other rubbish that you might be spending your time on. But most of us, it's like the Pareto principle. You spend 20% of your, 80% of your time on 20% of your outcome. So if you can eat the frog every morning, do the most important things, that's when you take that idea. And if you can just focus on one idea, you know, this one thing about uh, entrepreneurs that just, that, that, I call them entrepreneurs that have all these ideas, but they actually don't have any execution. There's lots of ideas. Take, pick one idea, say, that's the idea I'm going to take, and then go and, that's your frog. And go and eat that frog until you decide either it doesn't work or, wow, I've pivoted it slightly, but that absolutely works. And stick to that task until you decide one day that it's not working. Then pick your next idea. But that's the only way you're going to do it. If you keep on having ideas and throwing things against the wall, like throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what's going to stick, you're just going to be a one entrepreneur. You're going to have idea after idea after idea. Even entrepreneurs, I, I see it every day, guys. 
they've got a company that they're selling me their company and, 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 and solving that problem. I said, oh, this is great. And then they, they're doing this and they're doing that and they're doing this and they're doing that. And all of a sudden I'm switched off completely. They're not getting my money mm. because mm. I want you to solve one problem before you're a two, three million dollar business. You're going to solve one problem, one problem for the market. That's going to be 10 times better than everybody else. You're not going to try and solve 20 problems. If you try to solve 20 problems, it means you're actually solving no problems. You've gone too yep. hard, too quickly, and you're actually you 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 you're generous. You become nothing to to no one. You you you're nothing to anyone. Focus, focus, focus. You know, the most important advice I can give as a mentor is focus. I, mm. I still remember reading an article in one of my books where Bill Gates, Bill Gates Senior, and Steve Jobs were sitting and having a drink. This is not this is a true story. And someone actually walked up to them and said, "Guys, just please give me some advice. What's your what's your advice for success?" And then all three of them said, "Focus." That's the advice. Focus. You've got to focus on one thing. You can't do 50 things. You want to be the best goalkeeper in the world, you've got to focus on being the best goalkeeper in the world. You can't be the best striker except for the Liverpool guy who goes and scores a goal in the last minute. He maybe is a good striker as well. But it's absolute focus, focus, focus. If you can get that focus right, and to do focus, you've got to learn how to say no to the good things so you can say yes to the great things. And I'm going to repeat that again. You can say no to the good things so you can say yes to the great things. That's how you get that focus and you really spend the time on the things that are going to move your dial. Whatever your dial is, if it's making money, move the dial to making money. If it's having a great family life, spending time with your children or whatever it might be. There's no right answer or wrong answer, but that focus on what's going to move your dial and change your life. And that's absolutely 100% within your control. Wonderful, Clive. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I mean, just guys, I, I hope that you really, you know, taking notes and, and really valuing the opportunity that you've got to listen to one of South Africa's greatest business leaders and someone that's really driving that entrepreneurial ecosystem, uh, you know, in our country at the moment and creating so many, you know, more employers, many of whom I think, you know, hopefully you'll look up to and, and, and strive to become like as well and, and help solve, you know, obviously the job crisis that we've got and the need for just a, a regeneration of, of, of our economy, et cetera. Um, Clive, so just like any thoughts for me, I mean, you know, so, so maybe you can just help me. I mean, I've got this little sort of student success coach community going. We've got a Facebook, you know, a, a, a group. Uh, we've, we've created a little bit of an environment where people can come in and, and it's a safe space. No one's marking anybody's homework. No one's checking up on them. They can be vulnerable. I mean, I just launched a course last week on how to beat procrastination. One of the uh, techniques that I teach in there, similar to your uh, eat the frogs, is to burn your boat. So I, I say to the guys, if you know what you need to do tomorrow, then in our Facebook group, and we've had a number of people actually do it now, uh, commit to completing that task um, by the end of the day. And you've put it out there in front of us all, and we'll follow up uh, on that task with you. And we've seen a number of successful uh, examples of where people have, have done that and burnt their boats and then got back in the saddle and got the momentum and the progress on a daily basis. So that's just one example of some of the things that we're trying to do here, where I'm sort of taking my experience and knowledge from Accenture and 20 years of being in corporate and saying, well, how can I help this? student community and just facilitate a process for them to, to to be more and more successful so your advice to me i mean and 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 what else i could potentially be doing to 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 make a contribution not only just to students but to to people who then have a future out of those degrees and into careers and and businesses and elsewhere Peter, i think first and foremost i think it's unbelievable what you're doing so i think uh, kudos to you and you know i mean to take this initiative your own initiative to do this to help people because, you know, you can only help people one person at a time. You can't, that, if everyone, one person can help one person at a time, we will change this country if we can just mentor them. So my only advice to you, and, and I'm sure you're doing it anyway, is just, you said you had five mentors. You need to get that mental community up. 
you need to get the number of students up because I think it's, what's, what's not surprising to me is how many people want to mentor other people. They've got the experience, they've got the skills, and they're happy to mentor people. Hmm. And so it's just to get to those mentors. I mean, you work in a big, large organization. If you could just get that organization to give one hour a week, one hour a month, forget a week, one hour a month to mentoring other people, that could change thousands of lives. I don't know how many people you got employed at, at FMB there, but in that R&B group, I mean, if you could just each person give one hour a month to help mentor the people in this call or mentor other people, I think it will be life-changing for these people. You need to get to scale. Because if we're going to change this country, yes, you have to do it one person at a time. Absolutely. Just like we built Accenture one client at a time, one person at a time. But I really do believe if you can get more mentors, get more people on this platform, and you just create that virality loop. It's got to be viral. And the virality loop's got to be greater than one. It's like a business. So if I'm a mentor, I must introduce two more mentors. And they must introduce three or four more mentors. And then it just goes viral. And if you just get a few corporates to say, I'm committed discovery i'm committed to an hour a, week, uh, a month and standard bank i'm committed your competitors are committed and have a competition i don't know i think it could change this whole country in all honesty just just that one hour i think back to my career how 20 minutes sometimes 10 minutes sometimes mm. five minutes sometimes have actually changed the direction of my life just by listening mm. and saying wow why didn't i think of that because i haven't got the experience so yeah I, I think just caring what you're doing but just do it at a bigger scale yeah, no, thank you, Clive. I really appreciate that. And my challenge there on the screen to anybody on the call today, and we've done this a couple of times previously, is for anybody, you know, listening to Clive today and is inspired and encouraged, you know, to just put their hand up and say that I, I want to be available as a mentor, then I'll, you know, take your details and I really want you just to join us in the Facebook group. And it's so simple. At the top of the Facebook group, you just click their mentorship and it says, do you want to be a mentor or do you want to get mentorship? And I need more people to sign up to be mentors. As I say, we've got five mentors and I think we've got about 20 um, partnerships then between those five mentors and then the other people in the rest of the group. So we have far more many people that want to be mentored then we have mentors available and i think that's the point that clive is is making here is that uh, you know the, the 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 harvest is big and the workers are few and so i'm asking people if you've joined us today and you have an interest in mentorship and it looks like we've got you know fairly sort of uh, in a mature group with lots of sort of business related type of questions coming through um anybody in the chat right now want to put up their hand and make a contribution to South Africa along the lines of what Clive was talking about just now. And we can facilitate that for you in the group and it will literally take 20 minutes a week as Clive has indicated. Um, please just mention in the chat right now that you're willing to do that. Uh, pop into the Facebook group and I'll show you exactly how easy um, it is to do that. Clive, just in the last sort of four or five minutes or so that we've got together, um, can we then pick up on this one, which is a very topical question, I guess, from Gregory Andrews. And by the way, I'm recording this for the podcast, so just to read it out for anybody who's only listening to us. And he asks, in the midst of the current COVID situation, would you encourage a student in his last year to take a risk and build a business, or would you suggest pushing to enter the corporate route? I'm uh, probably not going to be very objective in this answer, because if you ask an venture capitalist what you should do, the answer is entrepreneurship. But it's not what you should do. It's what your skill set is. So as I said earlier, you know, if you really have got and you've got a good, that horizontal layer of skills that I spoke about, then you can probably start entrepreneurship quite soon. But else, maybe go to a, the right type of organization that's a learning organization that you can go and learn about all those things for a few years. Maybe only a year, two years, three years to go and learn it and then to go and start your entrepreneurship career. But most importantly, finish your degree. And secondly, if you can do the two together, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs have started 
either when they're at university and they really work their butts off and they work 24 seven or they start their first corporate life and they start building on the side, mm. they start building their first entrepreneurial business. Once that entrepreneurial business is, is generating enough revenue, you can actually go up on your corporate life and you can actually take that thing full time because part time doesn't work for an on to, to build to scale a business, but to get a business going, part time actually does work. It can it can work. It's hard. You have to gonna have to give up a couple of Saturday nights and uh, and and a bit of fun, but it can work. So if you've got mm. a great idea, maybe you need to earn a, a salary, earn the salary, do it on the side on the weekends or at nights, and when it's big enough, you can maybe hire your first one or two people. That's the time to take the plunge. And take that plunge because I'll tell you something, it's worth it. Even if you fail, you are the, the, the amount of learnings you will go through from a year or two years of learning and trying and learning and trying and pivoting and trying and, and failing, it's okay. The next one will be so much easier for you the next time you start that business because of the first one, whether you succeed or whether you fail. So I think you can do them in parallel unless you can really, you know, if you are in Elon Musk and you can raise $100 million, then just go and raise that money and go get out there and go and do your business. But you, it's very hard in South Africa to have just have an idea and actually raise capital. It's very hard. Yeah. It's unless you get it from a, a rich family member, a rich uncle, rich mother or father, that's fine. But otherwise, it's very, very hard in this country to raise a, an angel capital for an idea. At best, yep. you'll arrange it for a product, but at even better, it's, it's a business where actually a product is generating revenue. So it turns from a product to a business. I don't invest in products. I invest in businesses. I invest in products in my personal capacity as an angel investor. I don't do it anymore because I don't have the time. But uh, it's very hard at that stage to go and uh, raise capital. So I'd say do them both. It's not either yep. or, it's and. Brilliant. Clive, I 100% agree with you. And I, I totally thank you for just confirming hopefully what, what I was also going to kind of, you know, answer to that same question was finish your degree, just get it done. And I think being able to finish anything you start is also, you know, part of, you know, not always just to blindly follow something down into a dark hole. But if you are nearing the end of something and you just need to knuckle down and get it finished, that's also an entrepreneurial discipline. So get that degree, you know, get it done. Um, tick it off and then as Clive has said you know maybe there's something that you can start on the side and it's the and not the or so Clive fantastic Stephanie Kruger has just indicated that she's willing to be a mentor so we are up to six uh, mentors available in our Facebook group now which is absolutely fantastic so as Clive said we'll, we'll build this community one mentor at a time one successful student at a time so Clive you know just the last couple of minutes you know your thoughts just the encouraging people getting out there what what action can they take you know I'm, I'm always big on action and tasks and getting stuff done so so this afternoon or this weekend you know what is it that you think everybody should just go out and do to make a difference in their life and just you know impact society and continue you know the great conversation uh, and, and and as I'm talking Gregory Andrews just mentioned he's willing to be a mentor so that's that's two that we've had from this webinar today so Clive I remember that you challenged me a few years ago and hopefully um, you know that's not coming to fruition so we've had two in this session that's seven in the group which is fantastic so Clive just to finish off with you know, thoughts, actions, next steps, encouragement for people out there that are listening today. Action, action, action. It's all about action. Take action. Look after your own life. You know, don't don't wait for someone to look after your life. No one cares. You might think they care, but no one cares. Maybe your mother, or your father care. But I'll tell you, otherwise it's action. You've got to be action. Speak louder than words. You've all heard it before. Take action. Just get out of your comfort zone. You know, if you stay in your comfort zone, you will not learn. You can only learn and grow by getting out of that comfort zone. So, you don't fear risk. If you fear risk, you'll never get out of your comfort zone. You'll stay in the comfort zone. You'll do what you're comfortable with, but you'll never, ever grow as a human being. 
And I've seen it too often where I talk about 20 years experience. I've seen people with 20 years experience and they've actually got one year experience 20 times versus 20 years experience. Um, you know, you've done 20 years, you've got 20 years experience. But get out of your comfort zone. Failure is okay. Be prepared to fail. It's fine. It's fine. You will be respected. If, if people, other people don't, don't worry about what other people say. You worry about what you're learning and what you're doing and you're doing the right thing. Failing is okay. But honestly, if you don't get out of your comfort zone, you'll never, you'll never succeed. You'll never fail. You'll just be a mediocre person. So it's about action and it's about the will to learn that failure is perfectly okay. Do what scares you. Thank you, Clive. Absolutely. Appreciate your time today, guys. I mean, you've had an hour with Clive Batkow just getting his wisdom and his experience. You know, we've spoken about a lot of different topics, and I think it's all been absolutely useful and valuable for us uh, just to improve our outlook and our approach and our willingness to make the most out of every day. So, guys, I hope you're going to go out and then eat your frogs, decide what it is, the hardest thing that's going to make the biggest difference in your life. Eat that frog tomorrow for breakfast, I think is the full expression. Eat frogs for breakfast, get it done as early as possible in the day. Make that task the first thing that you do, and then the rest of the day is actually a breeze once you've got through those things. So in addition to that piece of insight and everything else, that uh, Clive has shared with us today. Really want to say thank you that he was able to join us. And to everybody else, I put a couple of links in the uh, uh, chat there as well. So please join us in the Facebook group. Uh, those of you that have agreed to become mentors, please do uh, join us in the, um, in, the, in the Facebook group. I put the link there so that you guys can come in and then sign up to be a mentor. And of course, guys, this uh, webinar, as with all the other webinars, are available on the YouTube channel. So please do subscribe there. I put the link in the chat as well. And we also post regular coaching tips and all the updates around the courses and the content and the information then that, that you guys can get access to in this channel is all available on the YouTube channel. So please do go and subscribe there. Join us in the Facebook group. Take the tips and actions and outcomes that Clive has given us today and go out there and be a successful student. Clive, thank you very much. All the best and have a fantastic weekend ahead to no, yourself and everybody you, on the call the, today. Thanks to all of you. And Peter, keep up the great work. Thank you. Ed. Cheers. Fantastic. Cheers, Clive. Go well. Bye.